to How We Win. All over the country, people are doing extraordinary things, and action is the best antidote for anxiety. Today, while Republicans who voted against the infrastructure package start bragging about the infrastructure package that they didn't vote for, we talk about the impact that it's starting to make in our communities. We also talk about the assault on education, banned books, and what the GOP is really trying to do. They're trying to keep us dumb. Plus, joining us for our interview is Cricket Media's political director, Shaniqua McClendon. You may be familiar with Pod Save America and Cricket Media's other great podcasts. Now you're going to meet the woman who steers all of their listeners into effective and strategic action. I'm Steve Pearson. And I'm Mariah Craven. And And this this is is How We Win. Win. Hey, Steve. Happy Black History Month. Thank you. Same and more so to you. (laughs) (laughs) Feels extra good to be Black this month. (laughs) Everybody's talking about us. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Yeah, everyone except for the GOP, which is uh, literally trying to ban Black history in schools right now and not teach Black history, which, by the way, Black history is simply history. It's American history. It's foundational. But anywho, we're going to talk more about that, I guess, in, in a little bit. I didn't mean to jump the gun on the assault on education topic, but... No, let's let's dive right in. I mean, like if we talk if we talk about the bad stuff, then it makes people feel uncomfortable. And, right. and maybe and maybe some of us were already feeling uncomfortable the whole time <laughs> and I guess, you know, for those of us who who uh you know, have those memories and stories and and family histories, then, you know, these rules these rules aren't for us, I suppose. <sighs> Yes. Well, um, yeah, I we're, we're seeing uh, banned books. Uh, of course, everyone saw that uh, Mouse, the uh, graphic novel about the Holocaust, was recently banned. And then, uh, incidentally, completely sold out everywhere. Um, it's easy to compare this to um, 1933 Germany. And, uh, and it's easy to, to compare a lot of what's going on in America to the rise of fascism in Germany because it's the same playbook. Um, but, you know, I wanted to talk about the holistic approach that the GOP is doing and has mm. been doing for years uh, to uh, keep us dumb, to keep people ignorant. The assault on education uh, has been going on for a long time, but it's so blatant and in our faces right now. It's hard to ignore, and my hope with this recent, uh, you know, book banning is that uh, just like in history, uh, it will have a huge backlash. I mean, that's right. it's banning books has never worked. I mean, you can just look back to um, recent history, to the late '80s and the movie Footloose, when uh, John Lithgow's preacher character. When they started burning books in the square, that was the bridge too far for him, and it led him to say, okay, you can go ahead and have your dance at the warehouse. I'll let it happen because I see this has gone too far because they started burning books. So Wow. Steve, you will not believe this. I caught my husband watching Footloose last night in the middle of the night. What? I've never seen it all the way through, and I was... (sighs) too tired to stay up for it but he was like he just had this urge to watch footloose and now you're bringing it up crazy 
kismet. What does it mean? Yeah. I, I don't What does it all mean? Well, but I digressed with Footloose, and it's it's a fine example of how book burning doesn't work. But it um, the the larger point is um, this combined with the recent, and we've talked about this a lot, the critical race theory, and um, and how that's become a buzzword for Republicans. They're worried about you know, white kids feeling uncomfortable and uh, and they want to ban critical race theory, which, okay, just to be clear, one more time, it's not actually something that's taught in schools. It's uh, um, But in general, uh, I think what's happening right now transcends all of that race. It's really part of this divide and conquer and make sure that, you know, their electorate is uneducated, frankly, and and ignorant, but it's by design. And and this is how fascists stay in power. It's by controlling uh, and assaulting uh, the education systems. And we see it all the time right now. We're seeing it with literal Nazis showing up at school board meetings. And we, we need to really look at it for what it is and and be vigilant about this and maybe show up at some school board meetings too to, um, to try to drown out those voices. Yeah, you know, you, you, you are focused on this idea that um, there are folks on the right who want to keep their base ignorant. I, I also think they want to keep them very comfortable. They want to make sure that they're not having uncomfortable conversations. Because if you're having uncomfortable conversations and you're looking at the world and saying, it's not fair, it's not an even playing field, there, there are people out there who uh, fit outside the parameters that we were grew up to to be aware of, and I'm mm-hmm. talking specifically about this new bill in Florida that's been nicknamed the "Don't Say Gay" bill. Right. If you're comfortable and things are the way that you want them to be, then you have no reason to fight for change or ask for change or think that change is necessary or possible. And so we can continue to keep the status quo if people are comfortable and the world, their world, is as they feel it should be. It's a really important point, too, especially as we start out Black History Month. Um, And we know that uh, Black history especially is the history of organizing. It's the history of overcoming oppression and and rising up in uh, in solidarity and building coalitions. It's the history of a lot of brave people who risked their life for uh, for freedoms, for basic freedoms in our country. And if uh, you know, if we're not teaching kids that, then uh, then we have a much more you know, passive electorate that um, is not going to take those lessons and inspirations from history and and uh, question authority. They're just going to go along with uh, what they're told to do. So um, it's a really important point. Yeah, always question authority. Um, the the last thing I'll, I'll say about this topic because I think it's this is super relevant to our audience, um, and and it might be the call to action that one of our listeners needs to hear is um, you were saying that mouse has been um, sold out everywhere. It, it's very difficult to to find, especially at its original price right now. <laughs> right. Um, some advice that I saw online was. The most important thing you can do to protect books from being banned is not to buy them out and and redistribute them. It is to get involved with your school board, run for school board, Mm. be the person that stops the books from getting banned in the first place. So love that that call to action. We're going to have more. 
That's a great call to action. In a couple minutes, but just something to, something to put in your noggins and think about. We need good people to drown out those awful voices, and that could be you. Yes, you, listening right now, you should run for school board. Mm-hmm. It's not too late. You can still file. Just letting you know. Um, can I vent for a minute? And that's going to lead us into our, our next topic very nicely. I happen to love your vents, so please <laughs> vent away. So um, as people know, I, I moved to Texas last year, and I, wa- I watched local news a lot. And something that irritates me. So we all know that Donald Trump was involved in attempting to prevent Biden from becoming president. We know this. Mm -hmm. And yet, when he comes to Texas, the local news stations will tell you that he's going to be here, where he's going to be, when he's going to be there, and how you can come too. And it's like, don't tell people, don't give him a platform. They shouldn't be listening to him. He's spreading lies. We've all, we, we know this is the one truth that we know about January 6th is Donald Trump was lying his ass off in the days leading up to it, in the days after it and on the day. Yeah. And with the new revelations we have just recently about how involved he was in the uh, orders, uh, the potential orders to have the Homeland Security seize voting machines and, um, mm-hmm. you know, uh, n- wouldn't seem like a smart thing to do when he's in that kind of trouble or, or those revelations are coming out to go to a rally in Texas and say, if I'm president again, I would pardon the January 6th people. Like, it seems like you just want to distance yourself, but that's, you know, uh, Trump has always been a big double downer on on his uh, lies and his audacious bullshit. So it's just like some people are living in an alternate universe. They really are. The former president wants to pardon people who who marched on the Capitol and tried to take it over. And we're going to tell people how to go, like, how to get a ticket to go see him? I can't. Sorry. Anyway, um, speaking of travel. Yeah. Right? That was my infrastructure segue. That was was a segue. (laughs) Um, This is exciting. The quote-unquote mother load, I love that phrase, of infrastructure funding. It's the mother load. (laughs) (laughs) Something weird about it, but also it's a big VFD, as, as President <laughs> right. Biden would say. Um, so all so this um, one point two trillion dollar infrastructure bill that got passed in a bipartisan fashion. The money is coming. The money is coming. It's gonna, as a reminder, repair and rebuild roads and bridges, bring high speed internet to rural America, upgrade transportation, when it comes to railroads, public transit, airports, reduce greenhouse emissions, it's going to affect every last one of us. And it's millions and millions and millions of dollars coming to your community. Okay, Mm -hmm. so Congress somehow managed to pass this historic bill. That wasn't the hard part. The hard part is getting the money out there. Um, So what they've done is they've issued this 465-page book to help local officials figure out what they're eligible for and how to apply for it. Um, Some municipalities have actually hired lobbyists who are in DC to help secure the funding. Um, So if there is a 
big infrastructure project in your community, the fight is on for that money right now. Now, the interesting part about all of this, of course, is that there were members of the GOP who absolutely railed against this bill. Oh, yeah. Called it, you know, communist, the people voting for it, socialists. Mm -hmm. Um, They attacked the, the small number of Republicans who crossed the aisle to vote for it. And okay, the money's coming out. They're like, hey, guys. Look, hey voters, look at all this funding I got for you. Oh, don't, don't, don't think about what I said last year. The midterms are here, the money is here, and uh, I got this all for you. Yeah, DeSantis did a particularly disgusting press conference uh, about about the the money that he was bringing into the community. Oh yeah, that's Florida Governor DeSantis. Sweet, sweet. Biden money. Yeah. Um, uh, we're not going to fall for that, right, people? I mean, l- let your neighbors know. Let let the other voters know. This is this is um, money from the Democrats and 13 House Republicans, 19 Senate Republicans. Those are the folks who can take credit for this. This is called um, voting no, then taking the dough. That's right. <laughs> No surprise that they would do that. I mean, we we were just were waiting for this to happen. But to your last point and another call to action, it's important that we amplify that it was Democrats and Biden that did this. That's bringing these money this money to the community because Biden is objectively doing really great for his first year. I mean, this infrastructure package was massive. Um, jobs are on the rise. The economy is on the rise. But his approval ratings are dismal. You know, people aren't feeling a certain way ab- about him. So, you know, it's it really does behoove us as a as an action item to make sure that when these projects are reaching the community, we we do our part to make sure the community members understand this came from the Democrats. This came from Biden. Amen. Do you have a very relevant and timely hero of the week this week. This week's hero of the week is eighth grader Jocelyn Diffenbaugh, who created the Kutztown Band Book Club for middle school students. It's such a beautiful story. She put together a book club for her friends, and it really caught on. A whole bunch of people started showing up. They started doing it in other schools, and it's happening all over the country. And that's middle schoolers getting together to read the books that are being banned across the country. And um, you know, this is exactly why banning books does not work. Uh, there's always a backlash. But um, thank you, Jocelyn Diffenbaugh. Uh, for taking that initiative and and starting this off. You're our hero of the week. I mean, in eighth grade, I was just trying to survive. This is incredibly impressive. I discovered pot in eighth grade. So that was that was my achievement. In eighth grade. <laughs> <laughs> That's a game changer. <laughs> <laughs> right. This week's to-do list also very relevant to the other content in the in this in this episode. Of course. Well, um, I'm so excited uh, for everyone to hear from Shaniqua, who is our friend and someone we gotten to know and worked with a bit here in Los Angeles, um, and she 
Well, you're going to hear all from her. You know, she heads up Crooked Media's political department. Crooked Media, of course, being the home of Pod Save America and all those great podcasts. Um, so your to-do list this week is to go to votesaveamerica.com. There's great resources there to make sure that you're registered, to check your registration, to find information about voting, um, and then also opportunities to take action. She's going to talk all about it, so I don't have to, but that is our call to action for the week is to go to votesaveamerica.com. And of course, as always, we'll have that in our show notes as well. We are going to be right back after the interview where Shaniqua is going to get into all the details of what you'll find at votesaveamerica.com. And then we're going to talk about our reasons for hope. Our friend Shaniqua McClendon is a political strategist and commentator on media, politics, voting, and race. She is the senior political director for Crooked Media, where she leads their political strategy and civic engagement program called Vote Save America. We all know it. And also created their successful 2020 volunteer engagement and fundraising program, Adopt a State. Our friend Shaniqua, thank you. Welcome back to How We Win. Thank you for having me. I am really excited to be with y'all today. Yeah, we're excited to have you. And when mm -hmm. we booked you, I was hoping that you might be able to actually come into the studio and hang out in real life because <laughs> I'm right down the street from Crooked, but turns out you're in D.C. now. You've made the move to D.C. I did. I did. It's funny. I'm like announcing, I'm saying this on a podcast. I haven't told a ton of people that I'm oh, back okay. in town. No, it's totally fine. I will get around to it. Um, but um, yeah, I'm back here. Um, I'm excited to be back here. I lived here for seven years um, before mm -hmm. I went to graduate school and then moved to LA. And um, yeah, I, it can be difficult working in politics from the West Coast. So it's nice to kind of get up, see the news as it's happening, not three hours later uh, when you wake up. Um, but I'm most excited about the opportunity for Crooked to just connect a bit more uh, intentionally with people in DC. So some lawmakers, um, you know, a lot of the people who kind of, well, I don't want to say make everything run because I think the people in the States make everything run, mm -hmm. but um, a lot of folks are centralized here in DC. So it'll be a lot easier to connect with them without I mean, I guess really we have like a three hour window when I, if I'm on the West Coast and people are on the East Coast that we can connect. So, um, yeah, I'm excited. Uh, we just hired um, a new person to our team and she lives in D.C. as well. So we have a, a little mini team out here in D.C. That's awesome. You started with Crooked Media developing their political programs and partnerships in 2018. How, besides this new person, has the department changed and, and grown since you started? Oh, man, so much. <laughs> I always tell people when they're like, what's your day to day? When I started, I was, you know, researching primary candidates um, in, for the California pr primary for the House races, mm -hmm. because, uh, you know, California has um, a jungle primary where the two top vote getters make it to the general election. And there were a few instances where Republicans uh, look like they might take both of the, um, the top spots in the general election in districts that were not red, but were definitely purple. Um, so we were trying to figure out like, how do we not tell people who to vote for, but just make it clear that there is an opportunity for two Republicans to make it to the top. And then I spent time like, you know, helping with typos on the website. So like really in the beginning, it was just like, we have to build this thing. And we were able to bring on, um, 
I mean, kind of the whole company started working on the election. So everyone was helping out. Um, but we were able to grow the team at the end of 2018 um, to about four or five of us. Um, and this is actually the first time since 2018 that we've brought some new people onto the team. So it's exciting. Mm. Um, we've actually hired two people in the last few months. So um, now we, you know, from actually not having, you know, just kind of doing things to, okay, we're going to start Vote Save America and building that as we went. I would love to say everything we did in 2018 was planned, but people said, hey, what do you think about this? And we're like, okay, that can fit right here. And we just kind of listened to what people needed. Um, you know, there are a lot of programs out there that's like, go vote. And then that's all they tell you to do. And so we wanted to create a site where people could see um, what are my voter registration deadlines? Do I need an ID to vote? Like all of those things. We did sample ballots so people could see who's on their ballot. Like, what does this position even do? And really try to get to those questions that sometimes can block people from wanting to participate. But then we took it a step further and said, okay, you know what you have to do to vote now. We want you to actually um, get involved. And so um, we, I don't, I know we were not Mobilize's first partner, but I think we were one of their first really big partners. And, um, you know, we integrated their um, feature to look up uh, events that you can volunteer on right into the site. So, you know, first voter education and then involvement. And then we discovered that we could raise money and we started doing that for um, candidates as well. And so um, we learned a lot in 2018. And then in 2020, we took those learnings and our understanding of the political landscape and created Adopted State, which ended up just being really successful. People really got into the teams. I'm from North Carolina. So I was like the captain for Team North Carolina. And even though we, um, you know, didn't see the victories that we wanted to see there. It was really fun and exciting. And I think overall, uh, since this started, we have just brought so many people who, you know, followed politics, but didn't know really what they could do to get engaged into the fold. Um, and the last thing I'll say, I'm going on a little long, is that, um, you know, when the guys started the company, they wanted to talk about um, politics and what they thought was wrong with it. But they also wanted everyone to be able to have a way to actually fix those problems and not just hear about, oh, this is wrong and broken and just kind of live with it. And so that's how our political department pretty much came to be. And Vote Save America came out of that, just giving people an opportunity to have an impact on the things that they don't like. Yeah. Uh, and I think there was a lot of building the plane as we were flying it going on in 2018. Uh, <laughs> For sure. Um, a lot of those programs came up out of out of need and out of uh, some really great ideas from new people jumping into the space and getting involved. And um, and I remember being on one of those early uh, calls with Mobilize, which was then Mobilize America too, when they were first putting together their program. And and now there's built into this incredible yeah. incredible <laughs> infrastructure for for yeah. campaigns and grassroots organizers mm -hmm. alike. So really cool. And it's such a powerful combination that you have at Crooked, you know, this incredible reach and influence that Pod Save America and the other podcasts have um, to drive people into action. And then now what you've built and, and your ability to give them, you know, strategic and effective yeah. ways to get involved or to raise money. Uh, of all of those things, what, what are you the most proud of? What's the most effective thing that you've done? Yeah, I mean... <laughs> I think most people would probably point to the amount of money that's been raised over the past few years through our program. I think last year we raised $48 million for candidates and causes. Wow. Um, but what I... Much. Wow. Yeah. I, 
to be fair, a lot of it came in through our Senate fund when, um, uh, did I say last year? I meant 2020, uh, when Ruth Bader Ginsburg passed away um, and people started to get anxious about the Senate. Uh, but um, in addition to that, we raised about, um, we raised a, a significant amount of money for local grassroots organizations. And I think that's what I'm most proud about. We, you know, so there are so many people and organizations in this space. And something that I've heard my entire career is, oh, people, they, Washington sends these people into our communities and tells us what to do and, and how we can win these races instead of actually listening to the people in these communities who are running organizations that have been in the community for some time. They're not just focused on elections. They're focused on bettering their communities holistically. And those are the organizations that we look to to really invest in and, you know, bring their leaders onto our shows and just make sure that they have the resources they need to be successful. Because typically it's not that these uh, groups are unsuccessful. No one's investing in them. And so that's what our adopted state program really did. Uh, and just with it being so flexible, someone could reach out at the top of the week and say, hey, we're not hitting our numbers for phone banks or texting. Can you all send us 50 volunteers to help us do that? Mm -hmm. And we were able to very quickly turn around volunteers for them to do that. Um, and uh, yeah, there's um, an organization. They've changed their name. But uh, when we worked with them, they were the Northeast Native Demo Northeast Arizona Native Democrats. And, um, you know, I chatted with... Um, uh, Janie Parrish, who was running that. And, <clears throat> you know, she was just like electric to me. I was like, this is amazing. You literally like left the big job in DC to come down, um, back home and make sure, um, that, um, indigenous folks in Arizona who are living on tribal reservations were organized. And she explained to me that, you know, we can't ask people to volunteer, like we need to hire them and, um, pay them for their time. And, um, we we ended up raising $50,000 for them, which like in the grand scheme of what we raised um, was small, but between us and the other funding that they were able to uh, bring in, they were able to hire organizers. And, you know, especially you have COVID going on, everyone's voting by mail and Arizona is really big on uh, voting by mail, but mm -hmm. you have like to have, I think you have to have like a physical address or something to get your... Uh, um, absentee ballot. And so that can prove to be difficult on a tribal reservation where um, there's not an actual uh, physical address. Yo boxes that you, yeah. yeah. Um, so those organizers were able to get out there and organize. And there was this viral tweet going around at the end of the election that just showed the way that um, the tribal reservations overlaid with um, the areas that really turned out to help Biden win Arizona in 2020. So just being able to invest in those kinds of organizations, again, who are intimately aware of the needs of their communities right. is, I think, the thing that makes me most happy. And then we discover all these amazing leaders as we're going through this work. Um, and then we harass our producers about having them on the shows. I was just going to say Janie Parrish is a great example of that. And, uh, and you just put a bug in our heads. I want to <laughs> reach out to her and get her on. Get her on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, having that flexibility is incredible and focusing on the people who know the communities and have been doing the work for a long time just makes such a big difference. Um, so thank you for walking us through that. Yeah. Um, let's talk about the midterms. 
uh, <sighs> yeah, <laughs> a lot to talk about there. Um, we are starting to see, uh, races that are going to look really competitive as redistricting comes to a close and we gear up for primary season. What's the plan? What is the plan? Well, we are still, uh, hammering out the nuts and bolts, but Generally, we are just focused on everything. Um, in 2018, you know, we were pretty focused on the house. We were, you know, we could visibly see that we were in a position for Democrats to take over the house, which ended up happening. But like all of our fundraising went to house candidates um, and most of the volunteer opportunities that we were pushing and just, you know, really trying to, to support those candidates uh, who were running for the U.S. House in 2020 there was a presidential race. Um, and unfortunately where you live does matter, um, for electing the president. So we focused in on states that would have electoral college votes that would make a difference, but also on states where, um, senators were up for reelection that would allow Democrats to retake the, um, retake control of the Senate. Um, and so that we were able to focus on very specific, a, a handful of states. Um, we focused on about initially six, um, and did some work in Georgia as well. And then in 2022, it's kind of both. So we need to focus mm -hmm. on everything we have, um, you know, with redistricting, there's so many house races, um, that we're going to be trying to make sure those incumbents can stay in office. But also if there are any new opportunities, um, you know, the news that just came out of Alabama, for instance, might create an opportunity for a new seat. Um, it might not be competitive, so they might not need our help, but just really looking for any opportunities um, that are competitive that we can support candidates. We also want to keep the Senate. There are two, uh, Senator Warnock and Senator Kelly, who, I mean, literally just got elected in 2020, who are up for re-election because they were elected during special elections and two other um, incumbents, Senator Hassan and Senator Cortez Masto, who are up. Um, so those are four incumbents. And actually, I should plug in here that we have a Senate fund uh, right now featuring those four incumbents because we know we need to get two more. Um, we need a net gain of two seats in the Senate to actually have a Senate that will advance progressive policies. Why is that? Mm -hmm. Because <laughs> two of our Democratic senators, yeah. <laughs> you know, I can't even say Manchin fooled us. Like we've known who Manchin is for some time, but one of one of them is just, I don't know. I, in 2018, everyone was so excited about uh, Senator Sinema right, right. being elected. And I, um, it's frustrating because people invested the time, money, and energy thinking that this was a good investment. And I'd rather you just run on, like, be who you are. Let people know what they're getting when they uh, decide to put their energy into your election. But it's really disappointing to see. And for both of them, quite frankly, it seems like money has just been a, an extremely important um, factor in their decision making. Um, so yeah. I, yeah, it's, it gets me worked up because one, it's like, you're supposed to be <laughs> a Democrat. Mean to get worked up. I'm sorry. No, it's fine. <laughs> but put that aside. It's like, I never understand people who run for office to represent people and they don't care about people. Like it just doesn't make yeah. sense that you would enter public service uh, for that reason. Um, but uh, we need two more um, Democrats to essentially, um, you know, diffuse the power that Senator Cinema and Manchin have uh, amassed for themselves, even though they do not represent the entire country. 
Um, and so we're raising money now. Uh, we want to help these incumbents because before we can get to adding two, we need to make sure those four are um, still um, still in place. Um, sorry. And now I'm forgetting what question I was answering because I was like gone. Well, I uttered the dreaded Cinemansion. <laughs> so I derailed everything there. Yeah, yeah you did. <laughs> I'm just going to add one other thing that we are doing. Um, two other things we're going to focus on. Ballot initiatives, just a way for people... Even if you don't live, especially if you don't live in um, a state that has progressive leaders, ballot initiatives are ways that you can get progressive policies passed, kind of going around your leaders who won't do it. And then we are going to uh, spend a lot more time on local, state and local elections, have a lot of gubernatorial races this year that might be the protection a lot of places need from whatever happens at the federal level, whatever's happening coming out of SCOTUS. And then, um, you know, it's been all over the news, but Trump and his folks are really pushing people to get uh, in these local positions that have a tremendous amount of influence over how our elections are processed, even though they should just be by the books. Um, And so making sure that we are supporting candidates who are really close to people's um, making decisions about people's daily lives um, and also the folks who are going to be determining if they, if people try to overturn the election in 2024, it feels crazy to say that, but we have to consider that. Yeah. You know, especially, um, again, to bring up Cinemansion, the, um, uh, the results we just had in the Senate and not being able yeah. to pass voting rights means that we have a very, uh, a steep hill to climb, but we are going to climb it and it's exciting to have partnerships and coalitions with people like you and organizations like yours where we just see the, the people power and the ability to mobilize. And that gives me a lot of hope and optimism going into a midterm where, you know, a lot of pundits are just, you know, saying historical, you know, president okay. says, you know, we always lose and this, but you know, this, this is unprecedented. We, I was going to say, are we in a normal moment right now? <laughs> You're not, there is no precedent yeah. for what we're experiencing. And, um, and, you know, and I know that regardless, we're all going to fight like hell to make sure that we, uh, we win in the midterm. So it's exciting. Yeah. So, um, and you, and you mentioned to me earlier that you're just launched a new website, uh, you read on your website. Yeah. Yes, we have updated um, our uh, Vote Save America website. So you can go to votesaveamerica.com. And right now you can find all of the election information you need for primaries in your state. Um, Typically, we really, you know, dive into information for the general election, but people should be participating all the time um, whenever there is an election. So uh, we have information on the site for uh, primary races. And in some states, local elections take place on a different day. So we have that information up there as well. Really want people to, um, again, vote in every election. Uh, And, you know, we even have information like, do I have to be registered um, with a certain party to participate in their primary, just trying to give people the information they need uh, to participate. And um, you can also sign up for our Vote Save America email list, and you will be the first people to find out um, about our program. Um, so it will not be adopt a state, but um, basically we're coming up with our 2022 version of that, um, basically ways to get people plugged into uh, impactful volunteer opportunities that are strategic based on the areas that we really need to turn um, folks out. And then, um, and not just turn folks out, talk to voters, figure out what they want, um, and and just spend a lot of time um, having two-way conversations with them. And then uh, 
fundraising. I already mentioned our Senate fundraising, but we'll be um, offering fundraising for a lot of other, not just candidates, but organizations who are, you know, here all the time. And again, just need that investment to um, get start, you know, not getting to work, but actually expanding their work. Um, so I'm really excited about what we have in store, but um, I feel crazy being like, I can't share it yet. <laughs> um, you know, it's, it's a voter engagement program, um, but we're really excited about it. Um, and yeah, if you sign up on votesaveamerica.com, you will find out very early um, what we have in store. And there's going to be some a few things that we're excited about getting people involved in and just investing more in our volunteers. And, uh, you know, my hope and I think the hope of our entire team is that you know, we've sucked people into making uh, political activism a big part of their life. And hopefully some more of them will start running for office themselves. So we're really just trying to move people all the way up the engagement ladder. Now, is running for office for everyone? No. But there are so many things that people can do. And also, if people want to work in politics, like we want to get them to where they want to be there. Like, yeah, I sound like a crazy obsessed person, but we, we just want to give people everything they need to do as much as they want to do. Job appropriate to be crazy obsessed person <laughs> yeah. in D.C. where you're surrounded by other crazy obsessed people. So. so you are giving me a lot of hope for the future with your um, clear strategic plan for all of this. I appreciate that. Um, what gives you the most hope for our future? Um. Honestly, I think it just has to be like the people is such a like vague term. So I should say the the people who plug into the the work that we're doing, um, but also the people who people who are in need of the things that we're fighting for and really don't have the time or probably energy to be um, engaging in this work. But it's so instrumental to their you know livelihood. Um, that's well, I guess that's what keep, keeps me going. I don't know if it makes me hopeful because we've seen time and time again how decisions have been made about what policies are passed. But even I, I, that report that came out recently um, about the impact of the uh, child tax credit on um, mm -hmm. on the young children um, and the families generally um, and just pulling kids out of poverty, it's just there are so many things that we could be doing for the people who are in need. And so that's who I always keep top of mind when I'm getting very frustrated and just annoyed by all of this. Um, all of the work that we're doing is to actually impact people's lives. And I think sometimes when you consume a lot of political media, like I do, it starts to feel like, um, you know, a sporting event. And it's like, I want my side mm -hmm. to win. And remembering that there are like real people whose lives will be impacted by all of this is what just really keeps me going. Love it. Beautiful. Well, said. thank you for all of your work. I'm uh, excited. I am excited about the the work ahead. Um, I'm I'm really getting fired up for the midterms, and uh, I can't wait to see the new website. And so we will, you know, our call to action, of course, uh, this week is for everyone to go sign up on. VoteSaveAmerica.com and sign up to be the first to find out the strategy and plug in. And um, we have opportunities on the site now. So if you go to your state page, if you want to get involved um, with what's going on in your state, you can do that now. And then we'll be following up with uh, more targeted strategic actions. Love it. Shaniqua, thank you for coming back and visiting us. Yeah, thanks. Thank you. I always love being here.
Oh, I'm just seeing your reason for hope right now, Mariah, looking at our at our little cheat sheet here. What's your reason for hope this week? I like it. It's a good one. Please share. Yeah, this is a callback to last week's episode when Neil Young was our hero of the week for uh, threatening to to pull his music off of Spotify because they were allowing Joe Rogan to uh, spread COVID misinformation. He did pull his music. He, a bunch of other artists, hundreds of doctors, scientists, and others pointed out that uh, Spotify was lifting up um, Joe Rogan, who was spreading COVID misinformation via his podcast. Spotify agreed to put a warning label on the podcast, and Rogan himself agreed to have um, more points of view on his show. This is a, a baby step, but steps in the right direction. So it's giving me reasons for hope that, you know, this felt like uh, a an, an ch- change came about. People mm-hmm. weren't hysterical. Everyone seemed to listen to each other, kind of, sort of. Uh, changes in the works, my reason for hope. I love it. Yeah. And I mean, Spotify stock dropped. A lot of people dropped Spotify too. A lot I of should users. say, yeah, yeah. A, lot of, a lot of listeners um, uh, stopped their subscriptions. So yeah. power, power to the people. I love it. I love collective group acts, uh, actions and um, Neil Young leading the way again after all these years. That's pretty, pretty cool too. So, What's your reason for hope, Steve? My reason for hope is very exciting news broke today that um, uh, it looks like within the next couple of weeks, the FDA is going to approve the Pfizer vaccine for little bitty arms for six months and up. And uh, I know there are so many parents out there uh, and like my co-host who who have you know felt just you know trapped by the fact that their kid can't get vaccinated and uh, it's so problematic for kids going back to school and for all of us you know getting getting back out there this is a huge huge step and um, and absolutely brings me a lot of hope uh, for where we're heading with this pandemic yeah, I'm excited. My we worked really hard to to keep my my little little guy 18 months old healthy and and like but also kind of expose him to things in the world so he mm. knows something besides, you know, his parents and the dog. Um <laughs> and I I was just I was just talking to Steve about like a virtual virtual music class that we're doing. He loves music. Yeah. It would be amazing for him to do that with other kids. So um definitely exciting, grateful news. Excited for young Jackson, for all the young kids out there and um and for their parents who have been, you know, literally like handcuffed to their their homes because of that. I think this is a, a huge, huge step. Yeah. Great reason for hope, Steve. Thank you for that. And thanks to all of our listeners for joining us today. This is how we win. We win when we all get involved So make sure that you sign up to volunteer now. Uh, Check out our website at howwewinpod.com and uh, send us an email at hello at howwewinpod.com or you could tweet to us at bluesboysteve and at mariah underscore craven. 
While you're at it, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review us on Apple or wherever you listen to your pods. We appreciate you being here with us every week so, so much. We'll be back with some more next Wednesday. See you then.